This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never met anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? I'm Liz Snorkel Thomas, and I live in Southern California. Right on. Well, hey, uh, gosh, I already had you on the on the episode, and we, we talked about your book, Long Trails. Uh, can we just plug that again real quick, just kind of remind people about that episode, and they can go back and listen to it? Um, maybe yeah, just give like an Yeah, just like an overview of the book. Yeah, so Long Trails is a book that's supposed to help people who have dreamed about a thru-hike, and they're not really sure what that entails, or know they want to do a thru-hike, but they just would really like to figure out what the steps are. Most people know that they want to figure out their gear and their food, but there's a bunch of other steps that are involved in um, getting ready for a thru-hike, and this just kind of like breaks it all down into chunks, makes it super easy. Lots of photos, um, lots of inspiring stories from people from all walks of life going out and um, making their long long hiking dreams happen. Right on. Well, I, kind of in uh, in research for uh, coming up with an image to post out for that uh, particular episode, I was going through some of your old uh, posts on your Facebook page, um, and it was kind of funny. It's uh, Liz Thomas Hiking uh, is, is on Facebook, by the way. And I was looking through, and there were some of your, your pictures from the P&T, and, um, and you had mentioned, like, oh, we got to ride out of Mazama up to Hearts Pass, and uh, so many people recognized, you know, there was a few people that had recognized me and stuff, and um, do you get that a lot on the trail? Uh, you know, I feel like, I, I, I don't know, I guess. Not not often because a lot of the trails that I'm doing, I'm doing a little bit off of season or um, some trails that don't necessarily get as much traffic, like the PNT doesn't get as much traffic as like the PCT. Um, but I've been for day hikes on the PCT where everyone's been really friendly. This is actually kind of an embarrassing story, but I went a day on a day hike um, on the PCT last year, uh, maybe two years ago. And uh, my boyfriend dropped me off, and I hiked 30 miles, and he was going to pick me up at the end. And it turned out the road that leads to the place where he was supposed to pick me up was closed. <laughs> and in, uh, Google didn't say it, and the Forest Service website didn't say it. And so like, <laughs> there was no. And he was he drove up as far as he could and saw some PCT hikers and said, you know, have you seen someone who's wearing a purple rain skirt and a day pack instead of a, a through hiking backpack. And everyone was like, Oh, snorkel would be fine. So no one said anything to me, but apparently they knew who I was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's funny about the road too. Uh, did you have any, did you, uh, did you tell people to prep better in long trails? I hope. Uh, so this was, I think this was right around the time, um, right around the time. I think I, maybe I'd already submitted the manuscript. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, long trail is mostly about uh, going out for longer periods where there's not like a car shuttle that's involved in going to random places. Usually, the car shuttle is to a terminus point or um, or a more obvious place than I was going to get. I was going to get picked up like on a random dirt road. Um, 
Yeah, I I definitely learned something that day, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story. It's the sort of thing. Yeah, it's like websites also, um, especially government agency websites, aren't always updated most frequently. So something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, when I when I when I interview people uh, like yourself here, um, I just I really like to dive into kind of you know the roots of your hiking, and um, you know, did you grow up hiking? Um, you know, I would say that I didn't really grow up hiking. My parents are not outdoorsy, um, but I had a first grade teacher who took us on a little nature trail and and um, you know got spending time outdoors and I really really liked that experience so I would try to get my family to take us um, on weekends to this little nature trail and you know it, it you know it's probably like a mile's worth of trail and a bunch of uh, invasive species and you know it's it's not you know it's right next to a golf course so it's not like super natural area but um, it was such an important experience to me that when I went away for college I knew that what I wanted to do on the weekends was hike. Yeah. So, uh, where was it that you grew up and where did you go to college? I grew up in Sacramento. Um, so, you know, close ish to the Sierra, but you know, like my parents didn't really feel comfortable driving up, um, driving to the mountains, I guess. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and I went to school in Southern California, which surprisingly has a lot of mountains nearby and, and I wasn't, actually that far from the, where the PCT is in that area. Yeah. So when you went to college then, would you say that was kind of when your real hiking started then? Yeah. I got involved with, in um, some outdoor clubs with other students. Um, I met um, some professors who were really excited about hiking too. And uh, yeah, it kind of, kind of took off from there. That's really cool. I wonder, uh, you know, I always think about these things with uh, kind of my past teachers and whatnot and, uh, I wonder if you've ever had any contact with that first grade teacher. Uh, you know, I haven't, and I really want to get in touch with her. Uh, but I think my, my parents, uh, actually did because they, even after, you know, I moved, went to, went to college, moved out, became an adult, they would still go back to that little natural area. And she worked at that, the nature center, um, there and they happened to meet her and, you know, give her an update of what, what, what my sister and I were doing, which, you know, in my case was a lot of hiking. Uh, that's cool. Now, does your sister hike? She does. Uh, she lives in Chicago now, so she doesn't get out nearly as much as she'd like to. But, um, you know, they'll drive up to Michigan or Wisconsin and, and explore parts of the Ice Age Trail, which I haven't spent any time on. So, um, you know, they, they, she finds a way to get out. Good. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, like, what was your first long trail? So my first uh, long trail was the Tahoe Rim Trail, which is uh, 165, 175 miles around Lake Tahoe. Um, It makes a nice loop trail. Um, It's kind of on the crest. It shares about eh, maybe 50-ish miles with the PCT, which is cool. Um, And uh, that was kind of the experience where there were a lot of reasons I chose that. It was pretty close to home. Um, It was a loop trail. So I could park my car, and if I actually made it, I could get back to my car without having to worry about a shuttle. So it could be pretty <laughs> self-reliant. Um, Getting a permit was really easy. Uh, there were a lot of road crossings. So, I mean, I ended up mailing home gear. I ran out of food, so I had to buy some more food. You know, all, all, of, all of the things that happen on a first <laughs> hike uh, for someone who doesn't read my book. Um, 
<laughs> so it, it was just a, you know, despite all of these things and my feet really hurt, I just really, really loved being out there um, and being out there day after day and, and having kind of that, that getting into rhythm with nature and the walking um, and not feeling like I had to cut, you know, cut, cut my trip short because it was time to go home to go back to work. Um, you know, just really loving that through hiker lifestyle. So, uh, I thought, you know, if I love the Tahoe Rim Trail so much, I, maybe I should go do another long trail. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, were you in college still when you did that? I had, I had just graduated. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, um, so I think probably the most questions, at, uh, uh, that people want to ask, uh, folks like yourselves, uh, and I'm sure you get it asked a lot is, uh, is kind of the whole, and, and you do cover it in your book as well. Um, but how do you fund all these hikes? Cause I'm, I'm looking at your, um, I'm at, uh, eathomas.com, uh, your, your, mm-hmm. web, your website and, um, your about section of the web website. Um, you're, you're you've listed 15,000 miles across the United States on 16 long distance hikes. Um, so, you know, I think that would be probably somebody's, you know, question, uh, without getting too personal. Um, you know, how does, how does somebody fund that many hikes? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of different every single hike. So, um, my first, my first hike I had worked, um, worked a bunch of summers while I was in college and saved up to go hike my first long hike, which was the Appalachian trail. Um, on the Pacific Crest Trail, uh, I was in grad school at the time, and I applied for a grant to study the PCT and um, went out and hiked that. Um, worked uh, some contract jobs for a lot of a lot of the other trails were independent contract jobs that I would take a contract, see it through until it was completed, and then say, "Not taking another contract, I'm going hiking." Nice. Um, that that was that's probably the main way that I've been able to make it work. Um, but you know, then there's crazy years too, where I did a, was a subject in a sleep study. Uh, so I lived in a hospital and they ran some tests on me and at the end of 17 days, I got a check that covered a through hike. So, you know, it's all over the place. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> How'd you do on the sleep study? <laughs> uh, I, I did okay. And I actually learned a lot about my own sleep cycles and, and my, my tolerances and what helps me through difficult situations. Um, so that was kind of a fascinating perk of, of doing that study. And, you know, they got, they got to figure out all sorts of things about how humans function with reduced sleep. Nice. Well, uh, so kind of, kind of getting into some other aspects of, you know, your, your hiking history and stuff. Um, do you have any of those moments on the trail that, that are just kind of like, wow, I'm so glad that happened. I hope it happens again. I don't know. I'm I guess I'm just kind of thinking about like, um, meeting somebody that you, you know, you, you knew or through the community or whatever. And you're just like, wow, how did I just see that person on this trail in this spot or, or something like that where you're just like, man, I just, I, I like it when that happens out on the trail. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny how the, how that ends up happening is there's people who, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really neat thing about the through hiking community and the long distance hiking community that, well, it's one of the things I tried to capture in my book is just kind of this energy and shared experience and kind of just the love in the hiking community because there's people who maybe I haven't seen in 
seven, you know, 10 years who, uh, I met on a trail and the next time I see them is on a trail and I wasn't expecting to see them. And it, you know, it's like you pick right up where you left off. It's kind of like an old childhood friend, you know, you might not talk to them for a few months or a couple years and, and, um, you know, kind of just pick right up where you <laughs> left off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say that that sort of thing about the social experience of a hike uh, is definitely a, a, a fun surprise. Yeah, I kind of figured that probably happened because, uh, you know, you've been on so many hikes, and, and so I figured you probably ran into some folks. What about locations? Uh, you know, you're, when you're researching your hikes before you do them, uh, has there been any spots that you can remember that just really surprised you when you maybe you were looking at it uh, on paper and you're just like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting section. But then you get there, and it's like blown away, beautiful, or or just something that that really stuck out to you. Man, there there are so many that that <laughs> are just more stunning than than they look like from their maps. Um, and you know, so much of it also depends on the season that 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 I hit it, uh, and you know what the weather's like and what the lighting was like. Uh, you know, if the flowers are out or if the berries are out or if there's some sort of animal that's up on the ridge, like all of these, that's one of the, the, the coolest things about hiking is, is like, it's all great, but sometimes just something magical about that certain situation just ma- makes it unbelievable. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, you never know what you're going to get, but it's always pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's no way you can tell just by sitting at home, you got to get out there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess kind of down that same line, uh, you know, I would imagine you've been asked this question a lot too. But uh, I always like to try to reach out to some of the listeners uh, on my uh, private little Facebook group I have over there. Um, in uh, Rich Glasgow, he he wanted to know, um, you know, is there a spot where you can think of in in I guess in the United States that uh, you know somebody should take a two week vacation and go for a hike? Huh. Um... Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many really good spots. It's hard, it's hard to say, you know, is there a spot? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a hard question. Um, I, I think he's trying to make you pick your favorites. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so much of it depends on season, too. Uh, but it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that he's, he's saying summer, um, just to make it a little bit easier. Uh, wow. That is, that is hard. I, you know, that there are sections of the CDT and Colorado trail that, that are, that really stick out to me. Um, but you know, I, I really like high Alpine areas. Um, I can say the same for the, the Washington section of the PCT too. It's, it's, you know, some of those areas are just so, so stunningly beautiful. Um, same for the, for the PNT as well. Um, well, you know, speaking of that, um, in that same spot where the PNT and the PCT uh, kind of collide there uh, and share the trail. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so surprised when I was section hiking that um, I was, uh, uh, you know, heading northbound in that section uh, right by uh, Rock Pass, it's called. And, and man, I, there was this guy coming southbound, and I could tell he was a thru-hiker. You know, you can always uh, spot a thru-hiker. And, uh, and, and he, <laughs> he said he had, flip, uh, uh, had flopped up 
and and he he was he, uh, just coming out of the Sierras, and he realized, you know what, I'm going to go hit Washington when it's beautiful, and so he 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 started you know north uh, uh, heading southbound, and I crossed paths with him right there, and he said. This is way better than the Sierras. Now, of course, it's just one person's opinion, but I think a lot of people, like you said, um, especially with through hikers, they're, they're seeing Washington sometimes uh, at its worst. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because my my day hiking partner um, has been section hiking. He did half of California, the other half of California, Oregon, and Washington, all in separate years, so he can push his seasons to to hit peak. And he said the wildflowers in Washington were just the most incredible. And, you know, I was a, a pretty early through hiker um, when I, I went through and when I went and sectioned um, at Hike Just Washington. I was pretty early. I was a little bit earlier, but he was able to push it back just a couple weeks and get full flowers. Uh, and, you know, he, he's kind of a, 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 a plant, an amateur botanist. And, you know, he was just taking photos all the time. It, it was, <laughs> uh, some of the things that I, that I saw were just unbelievable. So, um, and you know, he always says, you know, most through hikers miss out on all of these. Wildflowers. <laughs> so I think that's one of the great things about getting to go back or, um, for a day hike or for a section hike. Um, yeah. And, or, or, or to plan section hikes around peak flowers is, um, yeah, every area is always a little bit different. Yeah, and you brought up uh, Colorado, and I know um, every time I listen, because I religiously listen to the Trail Show, of course, and uh, one, uh-huh. of my, one of my favorite podcasts, and, and they're always talking about Colorado too, but I always think about it the same way because I'm always talking about Washington, they're always talking about Colorado, so it's like, well, but you mentioned Colorado <laughs> too as uh, as one of your favorite spots, so that, that's kind of a, a, a good thing to kind of pick up on because you, know, you don't necessarily live there. Uh, full time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I used to live here, and um, you know, I really miss uh, being able to get above treeline so quickly and to have these vast expanses of um, um, these sort of alpine meadows and those you know alpine flower these like meadow filled flowers and streaks of snow. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the great things about the CDT and the CTT is, is to be able to see that those ecosystems and those lakes. And, you know, same with Washington. They're, they're both so great. All right. We're talking about waymarkgearco.com. I want to direct you over there. Uh, kind of talk a little bit about um, they do have their through 38 and 42 liter packs and their 50 liter packs. Um, they, the through packs start at 210 the 50 liter packs start at 260 dollars. so go check those out but i also want to talk about their accessories add-ons uh the ones my daughters both have and love are the uh the mesh water bottle holders there or a phone pocket and there's more than that too i mean the zippered shoulder pouch hip belt pockets uh, messenger bags um, I know one of his big hits at PCT days I saw Mark there was his fanny packs. He actually sold two fanny packs. His wife and him were both wearing a fanny pack, and they sold them off their own bodies. So they, those were a big item there. Um, so, you know, look for those in the future. They got stickers and uh, gift cards and stuff. So this is all just extra stuff on top of their packs. And um, Anyway, go over there and follow them on Instagram, waymarkgearco.com. Well, uh, kind of moving on, I really wanted to kind of find out when your, uh, I would assume there was not a moment, but at some point you went from uh, 
you know, hiking that Tahoe Rim Trail and then uh, somewhere on this 15,000 miles of uh, trails across the United States. Um, was there kind of a, a moment or, or, or time when you, you kind of started kind of going towards uh, trail stewardship, I should say, or, um, you know, because I know you, you uh, we've talked about that you had have done like a hike the hill in washington dc and i know that with your all the west uh you're the the vice president over there and you've also done some stuff with american hiking society and you know can you kind of talk about that um how some hikers you know they're going to go out for one hike and maybe they don't get that itch uh when did that itch happen for you to to start worrying about the trails and yeah i think um so, so I hiked the Tahoe Rim Trail, and um, the, the next year I hiked the Appalachian Trail. And then pretty much right after, the, a couple weeks after that, I went to grad school. And I had planned to study um, elephants in, in uh, Africa and, um, you know, wildlife populations. And after hiking the Appalachian Trail, I was so um, trail-obsessed afterwards that I just wanted to spend all my free time learning everything I could about how these trails came about um, their history. And I didn't have to dig very deep to realize that, that there's just so much that's involved to get, I mean, if thinking about any long trail, it crosses forest service land and park service land and Bureau of land management land and state land and other local land. And there's just all these different players that have to talk to each other. And it was, it was fascinating um, to learn about. So I quickly switched my focus um, so I could spend more time, learning about that. And I think, um, that process of learning about the histories of the trails really converted me from being just a hiker to a hiker who really cares about making sure that there's going to be trails, um, in the future for other people to hike. Yeah, that's such a good thing. And, and, uh, I do feel like some people, uh, you know, I'm glad I, I should say without pointing at anybody else, I just like to say that I'm glad that you take, uh, whatever time you do take and put to put into that. And I, I, I appreciate that. Cause, uh, I know it's a passion of mine, um, that I wish I had more time to do as well, but I do my little part. Yeah. And I would say a lot of hikers, they do want to give back, but you know, like I get it. Hikers are cheap. So maybe donating to a trail or I mean, <laughs> everyone should donate to trail organizations and to, to, to organizations who, um, work on behalf of public lands, but, um, I think there's other ways for people to get involved. You can write letters or write emails um, to your representatives or, um, you know, a lot of hikers are, 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 you know, they want to get back to the trails, but maybe, um, you know, swinging a Pulaski is not something they want to do. Um, so I, I, I think that um, it's just a matter of trying to think about ways to give back to the trails and um, creatively give back to the trails that, I think everyone's got that, that seed in their heart. It's just a, a matter of figuring out the best way to do it. Uh, that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, can you talk about uh, kind of the question that I've heard? I, I do some uh, light volunteer work for the All the West uh, at uh, Pacific Crest Trail Days. And uh, as I'm talking to people that come up to the booth and stuff, uh, one of the major questions is, why should I join American Long Distance Hiking Association West? Yeah, I would say um, there's a couple of reasons. So it's, um, if you're thinking about getting into long-distance hiking, um, All the West is 
a really great way to get in touch with other people who think that your your dream is not crazy. You know, we are people <laughs> who are are living and breathing long distance hiking, and we really want to get other people on the trail in a manner that is safe and responsible, and to help people think about um, the the things that they know they're going to have to prepare for, like the gear and the food, but also to think about the things that they might not have realized they need to think about, like calling home. So people at home don't worry about me or, um, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to have to replace my shoes. You know, just these things that, you know, very minor things that, uh, end up being quite, <laughs> quite a big deal to learn on the fly when you're on the trail in a rainstorm, uh, with a bunch of mosquitoes, uh, coming after you. Um, and I think another reason, too, is um, if you are part of, if you've hiked the long trail, um, oftentimes the transition going from hiking the long trail to back to normal life is really difficult. And so having a hiking um, association of fellow travelers in life is a good way to help people stay grounded in something, something they love but also um, to, to give back um, because I think that's a, a great way to help people transition back into their old life and realize it's not a matter of like choosing between my through hiking life and choosing between my home life, that, that there's a balance that can, can continue to exist even when you're not physically on a trail. Yeah, that's good. I like that answer and I a think, lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and lastly, um, all the West is involved in, um, ad- advocating on behalf of the long distance hikers. So helping out trail organizations, um, on some of the, the projects they're working on, um, either building Congress or, uh, or local issues. And I think oftentimes, um, for trail organizations, having that user voice, I mean, it's a really obvious voice to have through hikers, you know, say like, Hey, we really, like that the trail is able to go through this, but it so often doesn't happen. And when we think about um, some of the other users who are out there, um, like mountain bikers have, have their own association or um, ATDers. So it just makes sense that long distance hikers would also have that same sort of group um, working with, um, we're going to get our voice out there. So agencies and politicians know like, Hey, we've got an interest in, um, please help us. Yeah. And, and I should say that I went to my first ruck this year. It was actually kind of a funny experience because, uh, I really wanted to check out the ruck and then, um, I was asked to help out. And so I was interviewing, of course I could talk. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I did a, a couple of the presentations, uh, they were just interview presentations. So it was pretty easy for me, but, uh, I was it was it was a weird experience because uh, it was so much more in the podcast. Is usually I know a little bit more about the people I'm interviewing on the podcast, but there I didn't know anything. We're talking about gear and all this stuff. I was learning so much as I was talking. It, it was it was a cool. I I really liked the rock. I I wasn't sure what I was going to see, and and I liked it. That's fantastic, and I think one of the best things about the rock is really showing that there's not one way to do a, a through hike, not one way to do a, a distance hike. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't necessarily come across when reading stuff online or reading um, some more experts-driven books than, than my book. 
Um, and I, I think just showing like, hey, some people do things a little wacky. Some people do stuff <laughs> old school. And, and yet everyone's out there having a great time. Um, I, I think that's a really valuable lesson. Yeah, and then uh, the the gathering in October, I'm going to be there. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you probably will be too, huh? Yay! Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh, it'll be good to finally meet you out there. Yeah. Sixmoondesigns.com. Go over there and check it out. Give them a call. Give them an email. Check out their their stuff online. Uh, they've got a lot of other things in tents, but I like to really highlight the tents. Um, they've got some packs and stuff too. Um, Anyway, if you need a tent for one or two people, this seems to be like the best weight, the best place to go. Uh, they have the one cool thing I really like about the company is that they haven't just streamlined it just for the ultralight backpacker. They've also got you know you know if you want a, a six moon design tent, then they have uh, the price for you. You can get uh, the the ultralight one or or the uh, uh, the non-ultralight style, same style, but it, it's a little bit more, uh, it might be a little bit more weight, but the price is better. So, you know, you can kind of choose what you want there. You can get these tents just as like a mesh tent uh, to keep the bugs out, or you can, they have tarps as well. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I haven't been this excited about a tent in a long time. Um, Sixmoondesigns.com. Follow them on Instagram. And tell them the Cascade Hiker podcast sent you. All right. Well, uh, let's kind of move on. What your uh, about page also says that you're an ambassador for the American Hiking Society. And I don't know a lot about the American Hiking Society. What is that and what do you do for them? The American Hiking Society is a, uh, let's see, I think they had their 40th anniversary a few years ago. So they've been around for a really long time and they're, based in the DC area and their goal is to um, is, is to keep on top of all of the all of the bills everything that's happening um, in the agencies when it comes to things that can impact public lands so you know a, tra- a trail association will look at public lands issues that are along their trail but this is the only national organization that's thinking about it nationwide in terms of how is the legislation that's getting brought up in Congress going to impact people who like to walk in nature? Um, and American Hiking Society works with a lot of its organizations um, and uh, other um, public lands groups to make sure that this, they can stay abreast of all of this stuff. But, I mean, anyone who's done policy work knows, you know, these bills are coming in quick and it's so useful having someone in D.C. who goes into the Senate building, goes into um, and to speak to representatives or their staff, you know, got their numbers. They they have a name and a face. And and know these people keep coming in week after week to say, like, hey, we've got a bunch of people who are really interested in hiking and we're either really excited about this bill or really concerned about this bill or we want you to support this other person's bill so we get more people's names behind it. You know, it's having that sort of on-the-ground energy where so many decisions are made on public lands is really important. Yeah, and uh, as you were talking there, I, I was at the website, um, uh, AmericanHiking.org, and it's really easy right at the at the start of the website there. It kind of gives you um, these three options you can pick, advocate, volunteer, or explore. And advocate looks spo- so easy, you just speak up for trails. Uh, um, but then also become a member right there. And, and as you were talking, I started filling that out because uh, I like what they're doing and – uh, I like to also give back, so I'm going to become a member right now. Um, 
So anyway, I encourage people to go over there and at least check it out, if nothing else. What do you do for them exactly as an ambassador? So as an ambassador, um, you know, partially getting out the word about what they do. Um, you know, long-distance hikers are kind of or free spirits, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, a lot of people, a lot of hikers like to go out there um, and hike to separate themselves from politics um, or separate, you know, because you don't want to have to think about about all of the debates and the partisanship and, and everything when you're out there. But, um, you know, when you get back from the trail, you realize, Hey, this trail hasn't always here. In fact, maybe this trail wasn't here five years ago, or maybe this trail wasn't here two years ago. So what did it take? Who had to talk to who, who had to get funding? What did it take to get this trail that I'm walking on right now to physically be here? Because it did it. It did. It didn't, uh, it wasn't always here. Um, so, uh, I, I think that for me getting out that word to long distance hikers to like, maybe think about just that next step of like, how did this trail get here? And are there things that are happening right now that can either make it so there are more trails exist or the trails that I already hiked that maybe have a section that's on a road that would be way better, not on a road. Um, you know, what, what can I do? what organizations exist that are thinking about these things. Right on. Well, that's, that's cool. That's, it brings a whole nother level to, um, you know, preparing for a hike right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about, uh, you know, I, as I'm sitting here, I know I, I keep referring back to it, but at, at your website, eathomas.com, uh, your about page, as I'm sitting here reading through it, uh, kind of thinking, oh, what am I going to ask her next? Uh, I, I was thinking about all these other guests I've had, and I've had a few that I might consider, um, you know, professional hikers just, you know, in passing, they probably wouldn't recognize themselves as that, but is that what you are? Yeah, I, I, I get, you know, for many years I said I was a professional hiker and it was a matter of like faking it until I made it. Um, and I think maybe I've made it because it seems like everything that I do professionally now is somehow related to long distance hiking. So even though I'm not getting paid to hike, um, hiking is, is everything that I'm thinking and breathing and doing, whether I'm physically walking or not. And, uh, that, that's a pretty amazing situation to be in. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, you know, cause, uh, the next thing I was going to ask you about was working as a instructor for backpacker magazine. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Backpacker Magazine a few years ago uh, decided that they, I mean, True Hikers have been saying this for years, that Backpacker really needs to step up their uh, representation of long trails. And um, I was still living in Colorado at the time, and um, an editor reached out to me and said, hey, we'd really like you to teach this class. And um, I, I got together with this editor, and we worked on it um, it seemed like every day for months and months of getting up really early, working really late, uh, we had these brainstorming sessions where we essentially locked ourselves in a room and uh, <laughs> couldn't come out until we had hashed out um, everything that we thought was important. And she had not long distance hiked before, but when she was in college, she had seen a roommate get ready for a hike and, and do she, her roommate didn't make it, but had done 
certain types of preparation. So dehydrated a bunch of food, um, but hadn't prepared for injuries. Um, and so that's what ended up taking her off, even though she stopped, she had spent so many months preparing, but she's been preparing the wrong thing. Um, so I think being able to work with an editor who had seen that aspect, but hadn't through hike before was really useful because she was really, when I would say something, she'd be like, I don't understand what you just said because you know, hikers have our lingo <laughs> or our way of thinking about things. So I really had to go back to absolute square one and think about how am I going to explain this if I were trying to explain it to myself before I had ever through hiked before? And and that's what that class ended up being. Good. Yeah, well, that, uh, that sounds perfect. And uh, it, it's good because, uh, you know, now you have the book, which uh, you told me in an interview for the book uh, back, uh, I believe it was episode 108 on the podcast. Uh, you had told me that, uh, you know, the book kind of came out of the class. But, you know, not everybody is a reader and not everybody is a class taker. So it's kind of perfect to have both, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the class has videos and quizzes. It's, it's got this interactive element. So, um, yeah, I think having the two kind of complement each other, depending on what, whatever your, your style is, whatever your learning style. Yeah. Well, the first time I ever heard about you, um, Mrs. Professional Hacker Snorkel, uh, was was I read an article about you in the Seattle Times, and, and I was just so intrigued um, about your urban hiking. And uh, your website, even you call yourself the queen of urban hiking, and I, I have to say that's, that's very true. Uh, people know you for that. And um, can you talk a little bit about what an urban hike is? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I would say that someone else gave me the term queen of urban <laughs> hiking, and it I is, thought it was funny. Yeah, enough, but it I was is in parentheses, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah uh, quotations. Yeah, so so the idea behind urban hiking um, started because, you know, I'd done traditional through hikes, but uh, I, I got this cold email from a guy who said, hey, I've been thinking about an urban through hike of L.A., and um, it turns out there's this whole subculture of people who walk cities, but it's day hikes and they use it as a way to explore their own city. And um, I went out and hiked LA for a 200 mile hike of LA <laughs> um, up and down all of these public stairways. So it ended up being quite a bit of elevation gain. Um, and I went out kind of with this idea of like, Hey, I'll do it now. Cause it's the off season, you know, uh, if nothing else, it's training, whatever you know, it, it'll be good for me to get 200 miles under my legs, um, regardless <laughs> of whether it's any fun or not. Um, and I really, my mind was blown because I saw so much stuff and, um, so much of the experience was exactly why I love through hiking. I got to see new things, meet new people, connect my body, um, with, um, with the ground, with the, with the environment I was in. Um, and, uh, I said, hey, wouldn't it be kind of cool to do something like this in some other cities? So I think I'm at nine cities, 11 urban hikes now. And I'm speaking at a conference next week about urban hiking, um, which is really cool because it's a conference of urban planners and people who build trails in pedestrian areas and cities. So it's really cool to be speaking to them as a user to be like, hey, all of the time that you spend trying to push people to do um, you know, to put in a trail in a city or something, or to think about people who are walking in cities actually pays off. 
Yeah, that's an interesting thing because uh, I would assume that most cities uh, kind of more are, are, are almost more detailed on each individual block or something, you know, the sidewalk there rather than somebody actually through hiking. Yeah, and, um, you know, with, with my urban hikes, uh, it depends on which city, but a lot of them are pieced together and I kind of get to decide where I want to go. So it's it's almost like I know you've had people on the show who talk about routes, um, and some of them might have even put together their own routes before. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's kind of like putting together a route in nature where you're like, okay, I know that I really like this peak, and that peaks to its north, and I'd like to connect them some way, and I really like this lake over here. So I'm going to put together a multi-day trip that goes and hits up all these spots that I like. So it's kind of like that in, in an urban hike, too. I know I want to go see this mural and this water fountain and climb this hill in the middle of town. And, you know, by, by the time I've seen everything I want to see, it's 200 miles. Yeah. Well, and there's, and there's waterfalls in town. They're just fountains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's see. Uh, so uh, going back to uh, Rich Glasgow again, um, he asked, if you, have you uh, urban hiked Pitts- Pittsburgh yet? Ooh, uh, I have not urban hiked Pittsburgh yet, but it's on my list. Right on. And how do you pick those uh, t- towns? I mean, without giving away whatever would maybe next or whatever, but uh, um, is it usually somebody you know there or somebody gave you the idea, or do you just point your finger on a map? Yeah, um, you know, knowing someone helps a little bit because I would say that the thing that can be tricky about urban hiking is figuring out where I'm going to stay every night. Um, so it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm going to throw down my tent and sleeping bag by the side of the trail like I would um, in a natural hike. But, um, yeah, a lot of it's maybe places that I'm curious about um, or that have some sort of feature that's really interesting. Um, sometimes I'm invited to, to come out and walk cities, so... Um, I most recently hiked Tucson and their, uh, their tourism office and the county invited me to come out and walk um, their new urban trail system because, uh, I mean, they're, they're showing off to the world that they, they've put together the longest multi-use path in the U.S., um, longest connected multi-use path in the U.S. And, I mean, that's a, that's a really big deal. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of depends on... Uh, on this, the situation, but yeah, uh, it's a great way to see new places. Yeah. I think I followed you on that hike. That was, uh, was that the one, the loop that you, you did with, uh, Serena DeVault? Yeah. Yeah. It was the loop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually reached out to her. Uh, I heard her speak on the trail show recently and, uh, about yeah. that, that hike as well. And I, I thought that was cool. She did a great job on there too. And I encourage folks to go listen over there. Um, she, uh, as I reached out to her, I said, Hey, you, you happen to have any questions for snorkel? Um, she asked me to, uh, <laughs> she, she, she asked, uh, you know, maybe you could, uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, Sonoran hot dogs on the loop. So, um, one of the things that I love the most about urban hiking is I'm a little bit of a foodie and I really like to see, or no, I don't like to just see, I like to taste <laughs> different cities, local cuisine. So some cities have like their own take on the pizza or their own take on, um, in this case, the hot dog. So I knew ahead of time, even before Serena was like, we need to go see 
we need to go eat a Sonoran hot dog. Let's make it part of this, this urban hike. So I knew even before I had talked to Sonoran about this, that I needed to eat the Sonoran hot dog. Um, and it was, it was incredible. Um, so apparently it's, it's in a few months, it's going to receive a James Beard award, which I, as I like to say, if, so this is like the big foodie award. So if a hot dog can win the big foodie award, a $3 hot dog can win the big foodie award. There's hope for us all in life. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a bacon wrapped hot dog served in this like warm, there's a name for it. I, can't, I apologize to everyone that I can't remember the name of the bread, but it was incredible. It was a fresh baked um, uh, bun. And I think it, let's see, it was topped with beans mustard, ketchup, mayo, jalapenos, I want to say. It it was really good. <laughs> I wish I, right now, I wish I'd eaten two, but it was pretty toasty up when we were hiking, and I was like, I know I want two, but one is probably a good idea because I have to go back out and hike in the sun. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So did it win the uh, Queen of Urban Hiking Award? Uh, yeah, I would say that is definitely one of the better things that I have eaten on any, any of my urban hikes. Nice. And that was on day one. So you know that I wasn't just letting my hiker hunger <laughs> exaggerate how good it is. Right. Well, is this, uh, well, I, I know I ask this question a lot, but, um, anyway, are you planning on, I know you just released a book last year. Um, is there a future book on you? The snorkel book, is that out on, there anywhere uh, in the future? On me? Yeah, um, like a personal memoir type thing. I don't, you know, you know, that's kind of the thing about long trails is I didn't want it to be about me. You know, I wanted to interject some of my advice and thoughts, but I wanted it to include the opinions of, you know, there's like almost two dozen different hikers who are, who are throwing in their advice in long trails. And uh, I guess I just don't find myself that, interesting like I you know like a hiking there's a lot of hiking memoirs out there and I think the books that need to exist are ones that are um like you know like the how-to book um for long trails was was a, a spot that I really thought a new book needed to exist and um yeah I haven't figured out what that next one is yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I, I always say it on the podcast, but the reason why I started this podcast was because uh, nobody was really, at the time, interviewing people in depth uh, about their history and and just kind of where they're at thinking about just hiking in general. And so I thought, well, if I want to hear that podcast, and other people will want to. And then I remember when I talked to you about Long Trails, you kind of basically said the same thing about your book was you wished that that book existed when you went on your first Long Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's so much information out there. It's really hard to wait. I mean, back then there wasn't as much information. Um, so it was hard to find the right questions. And now there's a lot of information online, but it's hard to wade through it. It's hard to know who to really trust, um, who really has a depth and, and breadth of experience behind what they're saying to, um, to, to trust. And, um, and the information is often kind of, hard to follow it's not super well organized so i wanted to fix that all with long trails like make it simple easy to follow still show that there's a lot of different ways of doing things and um the right ways but safe and responsible way but you know figure out here's some different ways to make that happen um 
so yeah, it, it was really about trying to make um, make hiking accessible for a, for a lot of different people from different backgrounds who maybe hadn't seen a book out there explicitly saying saying that. Yeah, well, possibly uh, um, there might be a, a need in the future for uh, um, you know urban hiking type of book too. I mean, that's a it's a passion of yours, and I think a lot of people are catching on to that. Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a logical next step for me. Just need to get my butt in gear. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, what about uh, fear? Um, I, I don't like to really word it that way, but uh, uh, you can't really go into long hiking, uh, I, long trails, I would assume, with, with fear. But has there ever been a time on the trail or uh, anywhere, uh, you know, in your hiking history that you've been uh, scared or, or just a scary moment? Yeah, you know, um, I would say especially when I first start my first um, first few long trails, um, first four, you know, some of my first four long trails, I uh, I had there were a lot of things that I I was afraid of, um, and I think part of part you know fear is about getting into a a less than ideal situation and not knowing exactly what to do to minimize that, to to make it so that situation won't get bad. So here's an example, like everyone gets untied shoelaces at some point, but because we know how to tie our shoelaces, it's not a matter of, Oh no, I'm so worried about getting untied shoelaces. I'm really scared of it because if I get an untied shoelace, I'm going to trip on it and fall on my face and break a bone. So it's kind of the same with say like running out of water. Like when I was first getting into hiking, I was really worried about running out of water um, because, you know, I didn't want to be dehydrated and then, you know, die of dehydration. (laughs) Um, But now that I know kind of the equivalent of being able to, know know how to tie my shoe now that I know how to manage my water more, how to find water if um, I do run out, how to bail out if I need to, if I run out of water, um, how to conserve the water that I have or hike at night or be in the shade more or use my electric. You know, I have all these different things in my toolkit. I'm a lot less scared about the bad outcomes of running out of water. Does that, does that analogy work? I feel oh, like that, that describes it, it helps me think about um, things that I used to be afraid of and why I'm not afraid of them as, as much anymore. And, you know, I'm still, it's, there's still risk associated with hiking for sure. And some things, um, you know, wildlife, for example, it's, you know, I know the best case scenarios, but there's a whole nother party involved and that party happens to be an animal that I can't reason with <laughs> um, necessarily. Uh, so, you know, it's still rolling the dice a little bit, but, um, you know, I do have this toolkit of things that I know increase my chances of being able to get out of that situation unscathed. Yeah, I like that. that that's good. Um, what do you say to people then and ask you um, about their fears? Uh, do, you, do you bring up that type of analogy or do you kind of help them through their own way of thinking about their fears? You know, I just came up with that analogy. So I probably <laughs> will, will work, it, work it into yeah. the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say a lot of times with fears, um, knowing what to do 
you know, in those sorts of scenarios and what sort of options, it's a matter of being able to control the situation and, and say, even when bad things happen, I'm not at the mercy of, at the mercy of, um, of what's happening to me. I have options to be able to, to work with it. Um, yeah, I, I think that that helps, um, take some of the scariness out of, out of some of the things of being in the outdoors. And, you know, we can't, we can't control mother nature. We can't always control what happens to us, but we can control how we think about it. And we can control how we react to it. And I think, um, that's, that's what so much of the scariness is about being feeling like you're unable to do anything. You're trapped. Yeah. One thing I want to say about fear is, uh, and, and I often ask the question, uh, to female hikers like yourself, I have my two daughters and, um, you know, they're nine and five and I take them out hiking as much as I can and, um, try to, you know, let them experience the, you know, without, without fear, uh, because they feel like I can, you know, handle anything, I guess, you know, but, uh, um, I think a lot of fear comes from other people, uh, instilling it into, you know, a person. So, a lot of times you'll see somebody post something on the internet saying, Hey, I'm about to go hike the Pacific crest trail. And then all their family members and everybody that knows them gives them every reason why they shouldn't and why they should be scared and, uh, what, <laughs> what, which type of gun they should pack. And, um, uh, you know, is that something that you, you, you can kind of relate to? I'm not yourself personally, but you've seen that. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I can relate to it personally, especially when I first started getting into to, to distance hiking and solo hiking. My family was terrified and they're still, I'm not, I'd like to say they're not terrified of it anymore, but they're still worried that bad things can happen. You know, even though I can say, hey, I wrote this book, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I think part of that's because they love me and, and that's their way of showing their love. But, um, so, so I get that. Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, that's really awesome with your daughters is trying not to instill fear in them because fear can hold you back, um, and hold you back, not just from doing things you want to do, but even thinking about the possibility of doing something. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny uh, the dichotomy between my wife and I's uh, parenting style. Because uh, I read this book, I can't remember what it was now. I feel bad, but uh, the the wife was always wanting to, you know, put a leash on a kid or or put a helmet on the kid just because he's going out in public or something. You know, maybe he might might get hurt. And uh, and I often kind of joke with my wife like you know, well, should I put their helmets on before we go on a hike or something? You know, just kind of because she kind of <laughs> always helps with that fear side of things. So, um, but what do you say to women that are going out, uh, you know, that, that uh, are scared about being alone as a woman on the trail? Yeah, I would say, so for, for women hiking something like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, um, if, if you're hiking during, um, during peak season, Chances are you're you're not. I mean, it's not like when you go on a long distance hike on one of those more popular trails. If you're going peak season, it, you're not going out for five months by yourself in the woods. There's going to be other people around. Some of them might end up becoming the, your best friends, uh, you know, lifelong friends. Um, and I would say, there, you know, there's smart ways to hike, and I would say, you know, there's smart ways to hike for everyone, but. Um, Especially, I would say, 
um, you know, don't, don't let your, your gender be a reason why, why you would be afraid to be out there alone. Um, you know, maybe inexperience or, um, lack of skills. Those are reasons to be afraid of being out there alone, but certainly not, not gender. Good. Yeah. I like that statement a lot. Um, you know, that's, that certainly rings true, uh, with what my view would be towards my daughters. So, uh, that's, that's good, good words. Um, all right. Well, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation and Hey, say hi to Liz Thomas out there. Mrs. Snorkel is going to be in the house and, um, the gathering with all the West, uh, I'm going to be there too. And, and it'll be really cool to meet you. Honestly, um, uh, you're such a bubbly person and I don't know if that's, I don't know if you like that uh, description It just kind of rolled <laughs> off the tongue there. But, uh, anyway, um, uh, before we leave though, if you could plug, uh, you know, your social media and your website and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I'm on, uh, Facebook at Liz Thomas hiking and also Instagram at Liz Thomas hiking. And I, I'm finally like posting on Instagram every day. So I've got a lot of cool photos from the PNT and, from some of my past trips that, that have never seen the light of day, which uh, is, is exciting. Um, and I'm, my website's also eathomas.com. There's a lot of good information uh, there. Um, some trail humor, some uh, just really easy things to uh, to get out on the trail. And um, I just posted something about budget hiking, um, long distance trails, which is, you know, something that I get a lot of questions about. So uh, yeah, check them out. All right, and if something just came up. I, I have to ask one one quick question. Um, uh, I used um, ep- on the episode that about your book. Uh, I think, like I said, I think it was one, episode one hundred eight. Um, I used the picture. Uh, I didn't even ask you if I could use it, but uh, I stole it off your Instagram <laughs> or Facebook or something. Can you describe uh, why you were at uh, why you were holding up your book with a beard and a Katahdin sign? Can you kind of describe that? <laughs> Yeah, so that was at uh, at outdoor retailer, um, all good company, uh, uh, Crown Trails Headwear. Um, got a Katahdin sign. It had co- hiker costumes, so the beards were part of it, and then the the AT hats. Um, and I did a, did a book signing there, which was really fun. Um, and it was fun to hang out behind this this Katahdin sign. Um, who's Anyone who's hiked the AT or hiked Katahdin um, as a day hike, I mean, it's it's a really um, it's a very powerful, almost spiritual mountain. Um, it's very powerful ending for Appalachian Trail hikers, a powerful beginning for hikers. So it was um, cool to have that sign there. Uh, I always love putting on costumes, so I had to put on the beard. And uh, yeah, that, that's why I'm holding my book on the Katahdin side with a beard. <laughs> Right on. Well, thanks for coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really looking forward to meeting you in real life, Rudy. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore cascade hiking and i'm cascade hiker podcast on instagram thanks whiskey fever for letting me use this track here tall grass off their album gonna wake up this whole town go find them at reverbnation.com slash whiskey fever hey see you next week you were sweet like honey on a heartbeat you were fine like wine and sunshine 
I could feel you coming on strong Could never be wrong, could never be wrong See her laying down in the tall grass Playing mandolin in a white dress So come running when I hear that song 